As we start today, I'll just call attention to the handout that I sent uh, or gave to you. We are studying God's means of grace, and in this Sunday school, we're wanting to think especially about the means of grace in the corporate context. So just as a reminder, there are a variety of means of grace that we engage in in an individual fashion, and there's some overlap as the one as the subject today has. There's overlap in the aspect of prayer. Prayer definitely has a, a, an engagement with you individually and uh, privately, but it also has an engagement with us as a church, and that's where I'm going to uh, to especially pay attention to. And as an introduction, I'll read what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says in the answer, what is prayer? Prayer is an op- offering up of our desires unto God in the name of Christ, by the help of his spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. So I want to... Uh, define prayer in in two ways and then look at other aspects of that. And with apologies to the fact that I won't be able to cover everything there is to say about prayer. And also with apologies to the fact that as I teach about prayer, I I always find myself uh, humbled and saying like the disciples to Jesus, Lord, uh, teach me to pray. Uh, it's something that I uh, uh, I say often that uh, that this is a, an area where I'd like to be growing in in the rest of my life and in the rest of my ministry. So I want to begin by defining prayer as communication. It comes through in the shorter catechism and offering up of our desires unto God. And when the Bible speaks about prayer, you can. Uh, can see that there is this very simple and yet profound conversation that is taking place, Uh, a simple and profound appeal to God. It involves the idea of being in need, and I'll I'll cover that next under dependence, uh, but out of that need, going to God and and asking him for, for something. At the same time, wrapped up in prayer is also an act, an attitude of worship and of thanksgiving that comes from that dependence that we have on God. And so you might remember that when I was teaching about worship, that there is a a sense of covenants, renewal, and dialogue that happens in worship as God speaks to us and we speak to God. In prayer, there's something similar, that we are listening to God, we are listening especially through his word as, as it is read and as it is preached. And then we are responding to God. We are speaking to him. And uh, that, that concept of communication comes through in that way. And so in, in prayer, we are, uh, are lifting up our voices to God. We are offering up our desires unto God. And as demonstration of that, let's look at a couple of verses that will help us to understand that. First of all, Psalm 62.8 and then Psalm 90, uh, just the title, but uh, would someone read Psalm 62.8? Rachel? And Mark, you can get uh, Psalm 90. And uh, I'm interested in 
the, the title that comes even before verse 1. I've listed John 17 there, and I did that because it, the whole chapter is a chapter of Jesus praying, speaking with his Father. And uh, there are some really fascinating doctrines, the doctrine of the Trinity, of the deity and humanity of Christ that comes through in that. But for today, I want you to notice that in John 17 that Jesus converses with his father. There is, a, in a sense, a conversation that is taking place as he prays. Let's listen to Psalm 62, verse 8. It doesn't use the word prayer, but it has this invitation, pour out your heart before God. There's that earnest appeal, simple and profound conversation that is taking place. It has in mind the, the concept that we are coming into his presence to have a, uh, an intimate conversation with God. And Psalm 90, just the title, what is the title of Psalm 90? Yeah, that's it. And Psalm 90 goes on then uh, to record that prayer. And there are a a number of very uh, practical things that Moses brings up before the Lord that uh, are then recorded for the corporate people of God to also take up and to sing about. Uh, There are some... uh, very high doctrines that come through of the providence of God, of his sovereignty overseeing all things. We, uh, we, we sing it on many occasions, asking God to teach us to count our days and to set our hearts on wisdom's ways. And so it's an example of uh, an individual in his conversation, so to speak, with God, talking about Uh, holy and practical matters that are then also given to us as the people of God to take up in our conversation with him as well. So as you think about worship and as you think about coming before God, there is a, a sense of entering into that heavenly sanctuary through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to take up a conversation with our our Heavenly Father. And so we address him based on what Christ has done and what the Spirit moves us to do. And we address him on the strength of his promises. And uh, this is is what Calvin says about this act of prayer. He says, prayer is a kind of conversation between men and God by which they gain entrance into the heavenly sanctuary and personally address him on the strength of his promises, with the result that in their distress they may see that they have not vainly believed in his word alone. So why is it that we pray? Well, we pray because because of God. Uh, Simple answer. We pray because he has revealed himself to us. Uh, We pray because he has made us to be in relationship with us. And that aspect of relationship is going to lead us into this 
sense of conversation with God. So let me take you back to the Garden of Eden. When God created man, he created them male and female after his own image. He set them in the Garden of Eden. He gave them noble, meaningful work to do. He made them a regent over all of his creation. He covenanted with them so that there would be an understanding of who he was and the promises that he made. And he, uh, he, uh, he entered into that relationship in a, in a very personal way. It's, um, it's sweetly told of God walking and talking in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And isn't that just a, a wonderful picture of, of relationship and of fellowship? And for Adam and Eve, there was no barrier between them. And there was no need for, for mediation because of sin, because prior to the fall, there was, uh, there was the sweetness of fellowship that was not polluted by sin. Now, Adam and Eve were different than God. They were the creatures, and God is the creator. And so uh, God was the one who, uh, who stooped to make himself known. There is that, uh, that distance that is is bridged by God's initiative, but it was bridged covenantally so that as he walked and talked with Adam and Eve, there was this communication that would go uh, go on between them. And this helps us when we think about prayer in general and prayer in a very practical way. Uh, as you think about how you practice prayer or as you've observed prayer practice in other religions, uh, you might notice that there are uh, some approaches that that think of prayer kind of in a mechanistic way. So, uh, for instance, you say certain prayers and you repeat those certain prayers over and over again as if you do this thing and uh, a certain product comes out. I've used the idea of, uh, of a vending machine. You put, you put your money into the vending machine, you punch the button, and out comes your treat. And sometimes we can think of prayer that way. I say certain words, I, magic words maybe even, we might think of them that way. We, we say the words, we go through the process, we punch the button, we expect something to come out on the other end. Or you might think of Eastern religions that are very mystical about prayer, sometimes even tying ribbons to trees as, uh, as a, uh, uh, an indication of a certain prayer made that is then sent out into the universe hoping against hope that maybe it would would be heard. Well, prayer's conversation uh, warns us away from these errors, and it assumes that rather than a vending machine on on the other side, or rather than an uh, 
unknown, hopeful something out there that might hear our prayers. The biblical concept of prayer is based on on the fact that God does really exist. And there is a real relationship that we have with him. When I've uh, taught on prayer before, I've used uh, used this analogy. Uh, Imagine treating your spouse in a mechanistic way. Imagine uh, getting up in the morning and, uh, in a sense, going through the motions and dutifully saying five hail spouses and uh, uh, passing the beads uh, along and making sure that you go over all of those things. Three glory hallelujahs and having fulfilled your duty, you go, go off on your merry way for the rest of the day. Well, how is your spouse going to treat you after that? Saw some nudges uh, happening uh, around the room. It's not going to go very well if you treat your relationship with a real person, with your real spouse, in a mechanistic way. Instead, think of it as uh, as a relationship. You you long to uh, to sit down. For me, with a, sharing a cup of coffee in the morning, sitting out on the porch talking about the, the day ahead or, or what, is, what has happened over the week, sharing our, our, our hopes, our fears, uh, our, our, our failures, <laughs> our, our, our ways in which we have, have offended and seeking forgiveness for those things. Uh, Calvin goes on to talk about this type of communication, and he uses the word sweet to describe that. There is a sweet grace of prayer that he speaks of, in which a Christian communicates with, uh, with a loving God and hears in response through the word promises that are extended, uh, that are secured in Jesus Christ, and in that fact, or in that practice, God graciously supplies uh, encouragement and grace and blessings to us. So it is, uh, just one last quote from Calvin, it is a, a principal and perpetual exercise of faith and the chief element of piety. So, In prayer, in thinking of it as communication, one very practical application that I would give to you is to to think of your Bible reading as part of that conversation, not as something that's disjointed, that I read, I pray, and those are two, two things that I do in my devotions. Think about in the corporate setting how how we do have prayers that run throughout the the midst of our worship service. But don't uh, think of it as disjointed or set in a certain box or compartment and we take out this element now and put it away and take out this element and put it away. There's all this holy conversation, holy dialogue that is going, going along. And with that idea, uh, keep the word of God in the midst of your prayers and think of it as as God's word to you and respond as you read. It may be that 
uh, even as you're reading something that, that you'll pause and say, God, I needed to hear that. And I needed to hear it because of this, that, that you are, you're working in my heart right now. And, uh, and uh, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Help me to, to, to work on that even today in these practical ways. And to go on and read some more and respond and use God's word in the midst of your prayers. I think you'll hear it as the elders lead in prayer. That it's, it's something that they are really good at doing. They, they're responding to God's word and you'll hear that running throughout uh, the prayers that are, are publicly offered. And uh, it may sound uh, it may sound different because sometimes our uh, it sounds it sounds more formal because they are selected for a, a specific reason. And in your private prayers, it may be a, a little more organic if, if you uh, want to use that hip word, uh, because right in the midst of your own devotions, the word of God is is being effective and and you're responding to that. And so, so listen and learn from the, uh, the public prayers that you can practice also privately. Also, call your attention to the fact that the prayer guide that uh, during the school year that I put out once a week for the Wednesday prayer meeting or prayer society, um, that it follows this pattern. It uses God's word and invites us to pray according to those, those themes that are brought up in God's word. And if you haven't looked at one recently, uh, I'll just describe it that the first section uh, chooses a certain theme and, and uses God's word to guide us directly to pray through those things. The second section are suggested prayers that rise from my preaching. So there's the word of God again in response to it than prayers for missions and for the requests of the congregation. Um, if you, uh, if you're, uh, <laughs> I was thinking of when I was uh, was first dating Vicky, that there were times where I thought, well, I'm pretty shy and I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about. And so I, I jotted down some notes uh, to help me think of topics to talk about and I don't, I don't jot down notes anymore, but, uh, uh, but think of that if you're learning to pray, that a prayer guide will, will help you to use God's word, to listen to that and respond to it. So think of it as, as, a, as communication or conversation. Um, I'll pause there and ask for uh, questions or comments just about that sense of prayer as communication. Mm. Well, I'm glad for that. So, yeah, that, yeah, they're they're helpful to me as well, and I'm I'm thankful for that encouragement and in, in preparing those. Yeah, uh, I describe them here as as helpful to in for those who are maybe learning to pray or wanting to grow in that, that they're, they're helpful in any age, really. Mark. One of the things I noticed when we 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that as well. uh, A sense of coming into the presence of the living God and there, uh, since we have boldness to come before him, we we hear him and we speak to him. uh, That's that's very thrilling. Let's go on to point two, prayer is dependence. I'd like to begin with Romans 8. 26 and 27. Henry, please. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for saints according to the will of God. This comes through in the Westminster Shorter Catechism and an offering up of our uh, our desires unto God and then the description of some of those things that are uh, are part of that, confession of our sins, thankful acknowledgement of his mercies, and then the example of the, the Lord's Prayer that, that I'll indicate a little bit later. Uh, there's this utter dependence that is expressed in our prayers. Uh, I described Adam and Eve uh, being dependent on God as creatures. It's only magnified even more after the fall because our dependence is now, uh, now also because of our being sinners and our uh, utter need for God to uh, to save us and to deliver us from ourselves and from our sins uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And prayer expresses that. Romans 8 is often a passage that people will turn to that express that, uh, that utter dependence on God. It has in mind those times in our lives where uh, because of, uh, of trial or tragedy, that, that a, a, a groan escapes uh, our lips. We, we can't even put into words what is going on in our hearts and our minds. And there's nothing feigned about that. There's nothing mechanistic about that. It is, uh, there's a... Um, you want to talk about authenticity. Uh, that's a buzzword these days. There's an authentic expression of dependence and need that comes through. And uh, Jesus, as he taught about prayer, emphasized this aspect that, that, uh, that our prayers rise up out of a, of a dependence upon him. In that light, would someone read Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6? Thanks, Alan.
And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was addressing a, a number of different ways that our piety, our dependence on him is expressed. And there are some negative examples. Uh, the negative example here is the hypocrite, the one that, that goes out and is not really conversing with God. He is putting on a show so that other people would look and say, oh, look at how holy he is. And in this and in uh, coupled with that was fasting, fasting that was done kind of as a performance so everyone would see. Uh, Jesus essentially says, well, if that's what you're aiming for, that's what you'll get and nothing else. Uh, you'll get the attention of everybody, but you won't have God's attention because that's not really the dependence that is heartfelt, uh, authentic prayer. Uh, there's... Uh, there's some sense of background in this as well, and I'm reminded of what uh, what Isaiah said, or what God said to the, the people of Israel through Isaiah, that they were approaching God through mere ritual. They worshiped, they sacrificed, they fasted, they observed the Sabbath, all good things, but they only did so as mere ritual. And then, and then they asked, why doesn't God listen to us? Why doesn't God hear us? And so in the New Testament, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus confronts the same thing and, and gives something of an answer that, well, you're not doing those to commune with God. There's a selfish purpose in that. And that selfish purpose may be realized, but, it's a, but God will not hear. Prayer, then, is one that rises up out of that acknowledgement that we are dependent upon the living God. It expresses that over and over again. Psalm 1, 4, or excuse me, Psalm 4, verse 1, uh, is one expression of that. Would someone uh, read Psalm 4, verse 1? Hear me when I Another verse that doesn't use the word prayer, but it's written all the way through this psalm. Answer when I call, O God. Relieve me in my distress. It's expressing that dependence upon God. In your handout, I put Psalm 4, etc., if you do a word search on prayer, just in the book of Psalms, you'll find, uh, I should have counted, I, it does, I could have told you how many times it occurs, uh, but there's a long list of prayers that the Psalms express. And we've been right in the middle of this, of the Psalms amongst the 50s, David's 
crying out to God in prayer in the midst of his distress. We'll have another one today in our psalm meditation. So that uh, that dependence upon God is one that the psalms especially express. And as a practical uh, a practical aspect, I'd encourage you to to use the Psalter as a companion in your prayers. Uh, when one last quote on uh, on prayer that I'll give to you from uh, from David Paulson says that the Bible's prayers are rarely about health, travel mercies, finances doing well on a test, finding a job, or the salvation of unsaved relatives. Of course, these are legitimate things to pray for, but they are a minor emphasis in Scripture. Even so, these topics typically dominate most church and small group prayer requests. They easily miss the real action of God's dealings with his beloved people. In contrast, the driving focus of biblical prayer asks God to show himself, asks that we will know him, asks that we will love others. It names our troubles. It names our troublesome reactions and temptations. It names our holy desires. It names our God, his promises, and his will. He goes on then and gives an illustration of when someone asks you, how should I pray for you, how it might be very different if you took to heart these biblical focuses of prayer that are an exhibition of our dependence upon him. Now, I don't anticipate ever stopping asking for prayer requests for traveling mercies, for health, for salvation of loved ones. But I do hope that through the use of God's word that that we might uh, we might uh, expand the scope of our prayers to take into into consideration this dependence that is voiced in our prayers. Let me go on then to uh, point number three, praying together. We just read in in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus telling uh uh, telling his disciples to uh, to go into their closets to pray, uh, to not uh, pray like the hypocrites do. And some have read that and said that that actually uh, disallows uh, public prayer. And I would uh, uh, encourage you to see that what Jesus is treating is is not whether prayer is private or public, but the attitude that is expressed in that prayer. And that could be expressed publicly. It could be expressed in a prayer closet as well. Uh, uh, but praying together is a biblical theme. It's a biblical practice. I listed several verses in Acts, and uh, I'll just invite uh, invite. Uh, two of these passages to be read. Would someone look up Acts 1.14 and then 4.24 through 31? Rachel, 1.14 and we'll take 4.24 through 31. Thanks, Sean. 
Let's listen to these and just note the public nature of the prayers that are offered here. Both of these passages, I hope that you recognize that there was a a gathering together of of people to cry out to God. There There was communication, there was conversation that was taking place as well. I hope that in the passage, I hope you heard in the passage Sean read that Psalm 2 was quoted in the midst of that prayer and and applied to their situation in very direct and specific ways. It's a great example of how how God's word informs us and we respond to that and praying into a specific situation. They express their dependence upon God in in all of these things. And there is a a corporate nature of these prayers that, that God used and God used in a way that um, that uh, uh, you can see really running throughout all of Scripture. So I'll take you back to the Garden of Eden. So Adam and Eve together were walking and talking with God in the cool of the evening. Jesus himself took his disciples with him to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was in agony and when he was suffering the uh, the anticipation and the agony of, of the cross. There is a togetherness that, that happens in these prayers. The, it is part of God's purpose for that, that he would, he would draw us to himself in prayer. It's part of the personal relationship. But it's also part of God's purpose to draw us to him together. And our prayers are a reflection of that. There is one leading in prayer, but we all join in that prayer which is being said. We all are are, are exercising this means of grace. That's part of why the... Um, uh, why there is an an amen that is voiced by that by the person who is leading in prayer that says uh, not 
my will, but your will be done. And uh, that amen is echoed in our hearts. We are, we are nodding in, in agreement. And that's why it's okay for an audible amen to be, uh, to be spoken as well. Uh, those are, uh, are ways in which we are drawn towards God together. And it is God's intent that we pray together. It's his intent that we pray individually, but it's his intent as well that we pray together. In fact, he has designed that to help us as well. And we talk about prayer as a means of grace. And any type of communication when there's a, a good give and take is encouraging to us. And, and in this, this way, the Lord is, uh, is ministering to us. He helps us by his spirit to, to come into his presence and to, to remember those promises that he has made and to pray according to them. And so uh, there is an encouragement to, uh, to approach the public prayer of God with, uh, with delight and anticipation to follow along in your own minds, to to think of, of what is being prayed for and uh, to be drawn along in God's presence by those things. I would also add that uh, I've emphasized the, uh, the public worship and the public prayer, but there are other ways throughout the week that the body of Christ can draw together. And Sinclair Ferguson, in his book, uh, takes note of the of the the tradition of the church for many ages to have a midweek prayer meeting and uh, observes uh, observes that as one expression of the people of God gathering together to pray. He also observes, though, that uh, for a variety of reasons uh, that, uh, uh, that concentrated prayer time may not fit uh, uh, a modern uh, work world and so says in this effect that uh, you need to find times that, uh, find my quote here, to punctuate the week with opportunities for corporate prayer. Punctuate the week uh, to have prayer together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we've done that here in our congregation by offering uh, several uh, different formats or separate different times during the week and the months to uh, to pray together. That includes Sunday afternoon where we share and we pray for and with each other. Uh, we do have a Wednesday prayer society where there's a gathering if anyone is uh, is able to uh, to join in. There's a monthly women's prayer fellowship. There's a Thursday morning men's prayer and accountability. And uh, in times past, we have spoken about uh, encouraging you to, uh, to find someone else to, uh, to pray together with. And uh, I have copies of, of this that are a description of, of an encouragement to form a prayer society. I want to put these in your hands. And if you would 
like to pray with someone. This will give you some encouragements. This comes from a president of our seminary, Barry York. He describes a prayer society as a group of two or more people meeting specifically for prayer at their own arrangement. Society can consist of some men meeting before work, two mothers walking and spending time in prayer, young people gathering at the church after a service or before classes. Each society would have certain characteristics. He goes through what that is, that it's, it's designed to pray. Uh, and it might need a coordinator, and so someone who has the initiative can form this. And it suggests what it, that you adopt a theme and a, and a specific uh, time that you might pray for those, those things, a time in the week and a length that you might do that. Throughout the semester, let's get together uh, every Wednesday lunch and pray for 15 minutes for our kids or for our witness on campus or something like that. If you would like to do that, if you need encouragement or would like to find others, you can talk to me and uh, I can maybe be a coordinator for that. Or you can just form that on your own. Go to someone that you would like to pray with. And um, as, a, as a way of, uh, of encouraging that, if you want to tell me about it, and I can be praying for your praying. Uh, and uh, you can fill this out and, and uh, uh, turn that in. If that's too, too rigid, you don't need to do that. But the urging is to, to punctuate your week with prayer with other believers. I'm almost out of time, so let me just make a quick comment about prayerlessness. Um, if prayer is communication, and if prayer is an expression of dependence, when we don't pray, we betray something. We betray that we don't feel weak. And uh, we don't depend on God. We betray that we are uh, we have not nurtured or not interested in an intimate relationship with our Lord. In Ferguson's language, we still believe in what we can do. I take that to heart and I go back to what I said earlier. This is a place where I long to be more diligent, more constant in prayer. And I say this uh, not to um, to guilt you into praying, but to urge you to take a, an honest look at your attitudes about prayer and to nurture uh, to nurture a desire to be in fellowship with the living God to express that through prayer. Number five, the prayer starter. Uh, this comes from Ferguson. I thought it very helpful. The Lord's Prayer was. Jesus' answer to the disciples' request, teach us to pray. And he gives just a summary there of the way, ways in which you might pray through the Lord's Prayer. Take each phrase and, and elaborate. This is the way we respond. Our Father in heaven. And you can enumerate the ways we have the privilege of coming into his presence. And uh, thank him for times of refreshing or confess that, uh, confess that you have longed for that. Then our Father, there's the corporate nature, and, and so on through the rest of the Lord's Prayer. Well, I really rushed there through the last two points. If you have any questions about those last two, uh, I welcome further conversation about that. 
any closing comments or questions you'd like to ask? Well, let's bow together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you that you draw us into your presence by the blood of the Lamb and the help of, our, of your Spirit. We do ask that, that you would teach us to pray. Pray that we would long to meet with you, to hear you as we read your word and to speak to you, to pour out our hearts to you in our dependence, in our love for you and our and our rejoicing in what you've done for us. And Father, I pray that within the congregation that you might pour out this grace and that uh, that you would stir up this desire to pray to you and with each other in our congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.